0: So we're going to finish Parak Gimel today of Basilegani. In the beginning of Parak Gimel, <clears throat> we learned about Sh'tus. Stus is a fun word, a fun concept, but not such a fun thing. Literally, Sh'tus means foolishness, and basically what we explained is. That Stuss is the source of all evil. Why is Stuss the force of, source of all evil? Because Stuss is what fools me into thinking that fake is real and real is fake. Stuss doesn't allow me to perceive truth to perceive life in its proper state. It covers over what instinctively I should feel. It covers over what instinctively I should do and causes me, therefore, to behave in ways which are completely irrational. What's irrational? Why would I behave in an irrational way? Anybody who doesn't have a copy, just sit down next to someone that does, okay? Why would I behave in an irrational way? Because instead of seeing a bishtur, I see the klipa. Instead of seeing the puppeteer, I perceive the puppet as real. And I told you this last time. I think it's a really important reflection. I think it's something which is really important to think about. When someone initially starts watching the puppet show, and in watching the puppet show, he sees a hero and a villain, etc. So naturally, whom does he applaud? The hero. But if you're going to start by applauding the hero in other words the puppet instead of the puppeteer you're going to end with applauding the villain and i told you in the last class this is something which you're able to see from current world events look at the world around you and see how the world as a whole is applauding the villain and why are they applauding the villain because they started by applauding the puppet. And initially, they were all applauding the hero. And they were all saying, go for it. It's terrible and all that. But they were applauding the puppet. Instead of applauding the source of the puppet. Instead of applauding the Abishta. And that's where the problems start. That's what this parrk is about. It's about the shtus, the foolishness, of the Yetzirah, allowing us to sin. And we said, the super important statement, A Jew neither wants to nor can be separated from godliness. A Jew cannot separate himself from Hashem. A Jew can't be separated. In his essence, a Jew is connected to Hashem, And a Jew should never be able to be upgiris and separated. What allows a Jew to be separated from godliness? Only one thing. Foolishness that convinces him that he's not really separating himself. That which allows me to take the puff of the cigarette and convince myself that it's not really affecting me. Nothing's really happening. This idea is what we're going to continue and see over here on page 38 in your copies the top of page 38 kiss the godly soul who if you don't have a copy if you could just look in together with someone that has just sit down next to someone that has a copy and <coughs> The nefesh halikis, the godly soul, is essentially godly. What does that mean, it's essentially godly? So we know, as the Tareb explains to us in Tanya, the godly soul is Hashem taking himself and creating from himself a soul. The material which is used to build the godly soul is godliness. And this is different than the material of everything else in the world. Everything else in the world, the material that's used to create it is yeshus. What is yeshus? Isness, somethingness. In other words, everything else that exists, Hashem took concealment and created something from it. Like the puppeteer who's putting on a puppet show, and he conceals himself and conceals his voice, etc., in order to create the appearance of a self-animated puppet. Everything else in the world is created from yeshus, And therefore, there's nothing else in the world that has this naturally instinctive pull that it can only be connected to godliness and it can never be separated from godliness. This godly soul is different because the godly soul in its essence, what is it? It's a piece of God. And if in its essence it's a piece of God, then everything needs to be connected to what it essentially is. And especially the spark that's inside of it, the spark that's inside of it is the essence of it as opposed to the layers of it, which is its presentation, the way that it is brought about, the way that it is developed with ten spheres, with ten koichas, and so on and so forth. That's its externality, but its essence, its spark, is a piece of pure godliness. It's just essential godliness and the parentheses in the parentheses it explains what does the spark mean what are we talking about when we're talking about the spark we're talking about your spark in other words each one of us in of Tanya, of the 32nd chapter of Tanya it explains how all Jews are essentially one. And therefore we're able to love someone else just like we love ourselves. Something which logically seems like a difficult thing to do. How am I supposed to love you the way I love me? You, David, are different than me. <coughs> So, how am I supposed to love you the way I love myself? The answer is that essentially we are one. But even though we are one, David has his personality and I have my personality. David has his circumstances and I have my circumstances, etc. That's the nitsutzah prati, ashaikal gufeya prati. We're each different. <coughs> We're each unique. We each have a purpose, an objective, a mission here in this world that only, only I can accomplish my mission and only you can accomplish your mission and if you don't do do your mission then it's a huge gap which is missing but that essence of you if you break it down you peel away every single layer like an onion which you're peeling away layer after layer after layer when you reach the essence that essence that spark is a piece of God shall Yadai who Margish Baal and Yanakim. And it's through it that you're able to feel godliness. In other words, my matchbox car is not able to um, drive with AI. Why not? It doesn't have any circuitry. It doesn't have any programming. It doesn't have any anything. It doesn't have any way that whatever drives a Tesla can drive my son's Tesla made by Matchbox. Right? In order for anything to be able to connect, it needs to have... Some type of connectivity. How are you, a created being, supposed to appreciate godliness? Why is it that when you were standing on Rosh Hashanah, listening to the sharp, deep call of the Shefer, you felt it here, not here in your ears, you felt it inside of your neshama. Why did you feel that Schaefer blasting in your neshama. You remember listening to the sheifer? Closing your eyes and feeling like that sound enveloped you? Why did the sound of the sheifer envelop you so deeply, so powerfully? The answer is because it doesn't envelop the bagel, the Danish. It envelops you. Why does it envelop you? Because, essentially, you're a piece of eibishter. And because, essentially, you're a piece of eibishter, something which is godly connects to you. There's that circuitry inside of you which allows it to be part of you. This is what then my mervi here is teaching you. It's through the godly soul that we're able to connect godliness because the godly soul is something which is spiritual which is godly therefore it allows you to understand godliness otherwise it's like chinese to me how do i understand godliness (coughs) i understand godliness because my godly soul essentially understands that language. It speaks that language. It's programmed for that language. So, al margish Now, being that your godly soul feels godliness, your godly soul naturally, which, again, your godly soul ultimately is your essence. Your physical body is not your essence. There are people who, unfortunately, are suffering from debilitating diseases, etc., Injuries, whatever they may be, where their bodies are shut down, but they are still them. They're still inside. Why are they still inside? Because you are not your physical body. You're not the color of your eyes. You're not your hair on your head, or lack thereof. You're not your your existence, your physical presentation. That's not you. You're inside of you. And that inside of you, ultimately, if you go deep, deep, where do you get? You get to the godly soul. And if you go deep (coughs) within the godly soul, where do you get? You get to the nitsuts, the spark that's inside of the godly soul. That spark. And just like if you were to drink, there are certain foods, etc., or drinks, That if you were to drink them, your body would naturally repel them. It would immediately vomit. Why does the body have this natural instinct to vomit from certain foods? Why does that occur? Self-preservation. Self-preservation, exactly. Because the body recognizes this food as damaging to it, and therefore it pushes it out. The same should be true with your godly soul. Your godly soul should have a natural self-preservation which should repel anything which is not inherently godly. If you're eating a cinnamon danish, and that cinnamon danish is not kosher, and again, this one has 13 so it's okay, hopefully. But... Um, <laughs> <coughs> if, if you're eating a cinnamon danish which is not kosher, your body should naturally vomit. There's the stories of tzaddikim that they could not see. Someone brought them a tea and the tea had a little bit of milk in it that was not um, uh, seen by a Jew when it was milked and they didn't see the tea in front of them. Their body naturally could not perceive Something which is unholy and ungodly. It did not see the concealment. It did not see the klippa. This is the way that we should feel. If we're um, putting our hand to a light switch on Shabbos, then the same way, if you were putting your hand towards a fire and you started to feel the heat of the fire, you would pull your hand back, putting your hand... Finger towards a light switch on Shabbos should cause you to immediately pull back and say, Ouch. That hurts. That hurts. It's not godly. It's not holy. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Why does that not occur? Let's see. Through it, you're able to feel all godly things. You're able to feel very deeply, very directly, anything which opposes godliness. What this means practically, as we said, is that the something that is not clearly godly, I do not want it. I'm not attracted to it. You could put as much whipped cream on it as you want, it's not going to attract me to it because it's not godly. This is the way it sh- things should be. especially <inaudible> Something which opposes godliness. <inaudible> I should flee it just like a person will flee a damaging thing if there's a dog which is chasing me and barking at me i run away i should run away from klipa the same way klipa is a barking dog klipa is a horrible thing how could it be that i don't pull back how could it be that I could sit with my phone and I could look at things which are tainting my soul, Rahmanul in very deep ways, and instead of looking away, I look more carefully because I'm attracted to it, because there's a lot of whipped cream on it. Why? Why does this occur? I should flee it, like a person who flees death itself. Like a person who's running away from poison, because it's clear to the godly soul, spiritual death. God forbid, who it's more difficult, it's worse than physical death. Spiritual death is much longer lasting, a much deeper impacting than physical death physical death after all everybody dies excuse my expression i'm sorry for being i um, uh, pessimistic especially on a ha- holiday like new year's but everybody dies the, the li- life is limited. A person's life is 70, 80, 120, 180 years. Everybody dies at some point. Your physical life is not eternal, but your spiritual life is. Your neshama continues. The soul of a person, the identity of a person, doesn't begin in the beginning of his life, and it doesn't end in the end of his life. So how is it That a person does not run away from death. That a person does not run away from spiritual death. You should run away from it more than you run away from physical death. The neshama, the nefesh alikis, the godly soul, its shuka, its yearning, its chafet, its its desire, is only alikos, is only godliness, only something. I'll eat this Danish, but only if... It's something which will enhance my connection to Hashem. And if not, what do I need it for? I'm ready to make anything in this world a vessel for godliness. If I can make a bracha, if I can drink it, and it'll enhance my learning, it'll enhance my davening, it'll enhance my service of Hashem. Great! And if not, chuck it. I don't need it. I don't want it. Or I'm afraid of it. I'm repelled by it. How does this not occur is what we're about to see. Quickly, I'll take questions. I saw there were some questions, but very quick. Couldn't you argue that most people are spiritually dead? Yes. Uh, that this yes. is this is what we're seeing. This is exactly what we're learning about. And we're going, going to see that in the Ma'amah. Yes. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We're going. This is what we're seeing. That, that there's a numbness which occurs to each and every one of us. And it's a numbness which is sort of built in, unfortunately. What I can't say unfortunately. The way Hashem created the world is that we live over here in this world, and that numbness comes automatically. But our job is basi l'gani. Our job is to turn the jungle into a garden. And turning the jungle into a garden enhances our sensitivity. David. In contrast to a physical death, you can recover from a spiritual death. Um, you can recover from a physical death, also. It says in Gemara that the person who has his head chopped off, that's, uh theoretically there's the right uh, samim, the right uh, medicines that can be used to reattach his head to his body. And uh, bring him back to life. Technically, there are challenges which get in the way. But you could recover from a physical death also. The is going to be tchis amaysim. The dead are going to be revived. But a spiritual death, the the damage is much more lasting. is much longer impacting. If one can what? I'm saying you could recover from physical death too. Uh, also from spiritual death? Also from, you could, you could. You could do tshuva, of course. So now we have over here the following words. Why do we not feel this way? Because the Nefesh HaBahamis blocks me. The animal soul prevents me. It's like a person who puts on a blindfold. And when a person puts on a blindfold, he could walk right towards. <coughs> the edge of a cliff without even realizing, and chas v'sholem walk off of that cliff without even realizing. A person who has his eyes wide open, so naturally there is a feeling of fear. So by some people it's amplified, by some people it's less. But there's this fear of heights that is instinctive inside of every human being. Why is there a fear of heights? Like Baron said earlier. Self-preservation. This is a essential, an essential part of us. But if you put on a blindfold, then you could just walk right off a cliff without even recognizing. Basically, the nefesh Ahamis can become a blindfold to our nefesh kiss And v'chol gasus v'chum yus yeshus v'metsiyus the nefesh Ahamis. Why does the nefesh Ahamis become a blindfold? The nefesh Ahamis shouldn't be a blindfold. A healthy nefesh Ahamis should be glasses for the nefesh It should be something which you're able to seek through. It should be a keili for the nefesh alikis. Why does it act as a blindfold? Why is it gas? Why does it become so fat? Chumri, why does it become so corporeal? Why does it become so yeshus, So thick, so self-existing. Metziah, such a, a, a strong existence which becomes opaque instead of transparent. Why does that occur? Why does the Nefesh Bahamas become like that? Harehu. This is what causes that it covers over. Umaster it conceals. it hides. the and the feeling of the nefesh kiss. Again it's acting as a blindfold and preventing from the nefesh kiss, from being able to see the godliness around it in the world. Practically put, pshitos, simply put. We're going to say these words in Yiddish because the, the Fidu K'Rebbe wants to express something in the vernacular, so he switches to Yiddish. And this is, the Fidu K'Rebbe wants to express something simply in the vernacular. And the Fidu K'Rebbe says, as der geschmack von welt, oilam shehu helem iz mechasu maser if teher gish aliki. The gishmak of the world. The enjoyment, the pleasure of the world. And world, we've said this already before, world is the word oilam. Oilam comes from the language of halim, of concealment. That there is a world means that there is concealment of godliness. And the gishmak of the world covers over the feeling of godliness in our language the examples analogies that we've given what does the geschmack of world mean the gishmak of world means applauding the puppet it's okay to drink it's okay to eat it's okay to sleep it's okay to relax to listen to music to enjoy, but it's very dangerous too. Just like physically, it's okay to eat. In fact, if you don't eat, then you can't live. But if you're going to indulge in food, that food will kill you. If you eat the wrong foods, those foods will kill you, etc. It's the same also spiritually. It's okay to eat, but you need to make sure that when you eat, you don't applaud the food. You applaud the shahakol <laughs> nihya You applaud the word of God, the spark of godliness, which is bringing that food into existence. That's what you recognize. And if you do that, you're okay. So even though the food naturally will bring with it some heaviness, but that's what your digestive process is for. In order to eliminate the garbage and use the life, right? You also have a spiritual digestive process. But if you overload the digestive process with too much garbage, it becomes stuck. It can't function. And, Rahmanul it has... Terrible results. <coughs> this is what happens with the world as well. What prevents me from being able to see godliness? What causes that I have a blindfold over my eyes or that my fingers are numb, that my feeling is deadened, and I don't feel the godliness in the world around me? It's the fact that I focus too much on the puppet. I focus too much on the externality. And the more I focus on the externality, the more I forget that which is inside. The more I forget the godliness inside. That's the main message of Perik Gimel of Basile Ghani. And we're going to continue to explain this. First of all, we say, This is literally the opposite of the way things should be. What is the way things should be? That's the, just a the translation of the Yiddish. The object, the reason why we're here, the true objective is to make this world into a In other words, we're supposed to eat the Danish. If it's a healthy Danish made with whole wheat, spelt, and no sugar, and no oil, and then it'll taste. Okay, anyways, um, <coughs> the, we're supposed to eat the Danish, but we're supposed to eat the Danish in a way that we're connecting it to what it's about. However, in other words, we're supposed to make a dira betachtenen. That's what we're supposed to do. If I eat the Danish, and instead of focusing on its godliness, on the instead I focus on the externality of it, then it connects me to the puppet. And once I'm connected to the puppets, I could already lose my perspective of who is the hero and who is the villain. Because I could start seeing that the villain too has a point, he too has a message, he too has an idea. This is literally the opposite of what our objective here is. That which Hashem intended when he created the world. That the intention when Hashem created the world is the... Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place below. Hashem wanted to have a... Existence here in this world, Al through the service of man in his guf, in his physical body, in his Nefesh in his animal soul. davka to be in this world specifically, to refine it, to purify it. That's our objective. Our objective is to be the messengers to the world that look. Enjoy the puppet show, but see the puppeteer. That's our objective. Our objective is to help the world realize that cookie monster is not a real thing. That is just conveying a message from the puppeteer. That's our objective. <speaking in> but <Hebrew> practically, it just the opposite happens. master etzle al ar what happens is that instead of this world being a way for me to bring the, divari, the word of God down here in an open way that everyone can perceive and appreciate and hear, instead of me using the world as a way to project godliness, what happens is that the world is now hiding godliness. It's concealing godliness. In this ave, it becomes so thick. In it becomes so physical. Kol so much. In other words, I'm so much connecting to this externality, to this klipa, that as a result of that, that it's like a person who naturally is able to feel hot and cold. But he puts his hands into acids or bad things so much that it kills his his sense of feeling. And he's no longer able to feel. He's no longer able to feel. This is what occurs when a person connects to the klipa instead of to the godliness. When a person connects to the klipa, it makes him Nisave, it makes him so thick, him, so physical, etzle, it causes him to lose Ko He's, he, he loses any of the feeling. Feeling is a Yiddish word which means the ability to discern, the ability to recognize haruchnim in spiritual things. I'm not able to discern the spirituality inside of the world around me. Now all I see is its externality. All I see is the puppet. This comes as a result of the animal soul. In other words, the godly soul, in order to come here into this world, it needs to clothe itself inside of an animal soul. Shahu, that this animal soul naturally loves whipped cream. And hu kavua, it's set, it's it's rooted in matters of this world. The animal soul has such a gishmak from the world, and the animal soul, when you don't do iskafya when you don't control it, when you don't hold the reins in your hand, then the animal soul just rolls around in the world, in the taiva, with such a gishmak, with such an excitement, and it says, ah, this is so nice, this is so good, give me some more whipped cream. kol and this is the whole essence, the whole idea of the animal soul. U'bahem, and in it, yege. This is what the animal soul is excited about. and this is what the animal thinks about. You see a guy who starts speaking with such excitement. Did you see the pizza I had last night? You ever see this, that they have this minig nowadays. That you go into a restaurant and you take a picture of the food that you're going to eat. It's bad enough that you're going to eat the food. But at least eat the food quietly. Don't announce to the whole world i'm a behemoth i'm about to eat but the nefesh Bahamas is so excited about its behemoth kite that it wants to announce it to the whole world let the whole world know i'm about to eat this cinnamon danish i'm going to show you what it looks like before i eat it and then after i take my first bite out of it just to make sure that you really see what it looks like. One picture of the Danish without the bite and one picture of the bite that's inside of my mouth. the <coughs> Where does such a thing come from? How does the Nefesh of Bahamas start reveling in its Bahamishkeit, in its Bahamishness, so much? But the more you do that, the more you forget that this Danish is only about the Shahakal Niyabidvarir, the Bayoumi name is Zainas. It's not about me. It's not about the klipa. But the more you get a gashmak out of the klipa, the more you forget about the devar Hashem, Hamahava, the word of Hashem, which is giving it existence. And it's because the nevesh Bahamas got so excited. This is what it horv is in. This is what it works on. This is what it thinks about. This is what it speaks about. It used to be a person had a sensitivity. I don't know if he used to be, but it it should have used to be. That a person had a sensitivity that at least if he's doing something which looks like a behema, he'll do it quietly, a I don't need the whole world to know that I feel like a behema. I don't need the whole world to see it. Nowadays, everything needs to be posted on Facebook and on Instagram and on. I need to let the whole world know what a behema I am. I need to let the whole world know what I'm doing, what I'm eating, when I'm going to the restroom, and so on and so forth. I need the whole world to know exactly what's going on in my life. That's, it's, it's, it's a disgusting thing. But it's a disgusting thing which isn't just disgusting in concept. It's a disgusting thing which unfortunately leads us to lose our entire sensitivity to godliness the nefesh of Bahamas is yege it harvests and thinks about these things behergish with so much feeling mit a grace and geshmak, with a big geshmak. instead of saying it's geshmak to be a yid it says it's gishmak to eat a danish it's geshmak to eat a danish Ayayayaya, it's gishmak to eat a danish that's what the nefesh of hamis says <laughs> This feeling in general, Ubifrat Inyan Hanayam, and especially the idea of the Nayam, and in parentheses it explains the Gishma that the Nevish Abamas has, who Sahegish Again, it's not so much eating the Danish that's the problem. It's the Gishmach of the Danish. Because the Gishmach of the Danish means that you're applauding the puppet. And that's where all the problem starts. The problem starts with applauding the puppets. The pro- problem starts with connecting to the klipa. The problem isn't the Danish. The Danish could be a klila lekos, like But that's only if you let the nefesh Kiss speak, not the nefesh abahamis speak. vha And the maimer continues and says the main point over here is the main idea that we're trying to convey is that ha shall the coldness that the nefesh of is that the animal soul naturally feels the etsem kalt kait shalai, this coldness that it has this distance that it has this lack of sensitivity that it has in inyanim ruchnim in spiritual things shuhu ba, behem, bahami, and the reason why it's un- insensitive to these things is because essentially it is an animal as its name indicates, what's it called? It's called a nefesh habahami, an animal soul. Kol chayusoi vehergushusoi hu rak ha If you let the horse run wild, then it's going to do horsey things. It's going to act like a horse. You can't have kindness to the horse for acting like a horse if you're not reining it in its kishmak, its connection, its idea, will only be animalistic things. It's not going to rise above and connect to spiritual things. Let's just read a little bit further before we answer the questions. It's not going to rise above. It's going to connect itself to to, to animalistic things. Like we see practically, there are such people that besides for this, that they're reikim, they're empty, mechachma from wisdom, teira from, from from proper behavior. So you would think that a person who looks like a behema, who behaves like a behema, is going to stay in the back of the room and keep quiet at least. But let the person who has chachma, who has Torah, who has Minesh to stand at the pulpit and speak, and he will stand in the back and be quiet. You would think. But practically, that's not the way it works. <speaking in> behim <Hebrew> Their behavior is literally like an animal. What's an animal? An animal is something that imagine you're going to go to an animal and you're going to tell the animal um, the, the, I'm going to give you a beautiful Rembrandt painting and I want you to take care of it. It's <laughs> worth a fortune. Right? What's going to happen when you come back a few hours later? It's going to be gone. Why? Because how do you expect an animal to appreciate a beautiful painting? It's an animal. It doesn't have that discernment. And this is what the Maimer says: Shadarsim, an animal tramples umaligim uh and scoffs people who are at, like animals. scoff Rachmanul Itzlan, haruchnim from spiritual things. Asher shum Instead of this boar standing in the back of the room and being quiet, he gets up and he makes a whole comedy show making fun of spirituality, making fun of holiness, making fun of someone who is trying to be a little bit more spiritual. Why is he doing that? Because he's a behema. What does he understand? What does he recognize? But he takes his Behemish kite and he just puts it out there on the open and he pulls others into it as well. They're literally like an animal which walks and tramples mebli without any discernment. That's the key word over here. the, the discernment. A human being has discernment, he's able to appreciate. This is precious and this is worthless. An animal has no discernment. The animal soul also, naturally, without doing what we said in the last chapter of the, of the clothing of the godly soul inside of the animal soul, naturally it has no havchana, it has no discernment. It's not able to discern between something which is holy and something which is unholy. Something which is spiritual and something which is damaging. Something which is dangerous. <laughs> they have no perception. They have no <laughs> no discernment at all. <laughs> if it's trampling on earth, the eights, a stick. A Adam or a person. This is because of a lack of feeling, because ultimately an animal has no das. An animal has no ability to understand properly, to recognize, to discern between different things it's able to see. But it's sight. Doesn't lead to das. It sees what's in front of it, but it doesn't lead to personal knowledge, to appreciation of the differences between the different things that it's seeing. similarly, Yashna Manashim Ka'elu, there are such people, Shahem Kabahema Mamish, that they're literally like animals. again, it's not enough that they lack the appreciation of what's spiritual and what isn't. They take that to a whole new low and they scoff, Loyagim, they scoff, and Teira and Drachim and some of them come up and say with a whole they they puff out their chest and they stand up and they say listen I agree with this mitzvah and I disagree with that mitzvah why do they start off saying, I agree with this mitzvah? It's that gives... Person. Right, it, but it That's gives not them... Not it also gives them legitimacy. Look, I am a maven. I'm able to tell you this mitzvah is good and that mitzvah is not. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, all they're doing is literally like an animal without being able to appreciate anything in front of them. The hadema and similar to that. Let's let's read a little bit further. We're almost finished this parak. The all of this huba it comes meha azus. The Azus means the chutzpah. Because sometimes the nefesh of Bahamas has such a chutzpah. Again, that it's a behema, we all know. That naturally its tendency will be to behave like a behema. We all recognize. But it should have the humility to allow itself to be guided. But it doesn't. It has a chutzpah and it says, I'm a behemah and I should be leading the farm. Right? I should be the one in charge. Not the farmer, but me. It's the azus, the chutzpah, the kviros, the coldness of the nefesh abahamis, of the animal soul. This is the cause. This is the reason why it's possible for us to do an Aver. How could it be that on Shabbos I could forget rahmanul and and put my finger by the switch and flick it on? How could it be that my hand doesn't pull back and say, Ouch! Ow, 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 this hurts so much. I'm touching a light switch on Shabbos. How does that not occur? The answer is, I'm, I've become deadened. I've become numb in my sensitivity as a result of too much klipa. Too much klipa. Too much applauding the puppet. And the more klipa, the more I don't have that feeling to pull away from danger, from unholiness. Shahu ruach the achra Ultimately, this is the ruach shdus. This is the spirit of folly. This is what the shtos is all about. The shtos is what... L- l- this allows me from being able to recognize... The true essence of the world around me. Shaheim <laughs> maalimim they hide, umastirim they conceal. Al arha emes on the light of truth. Add to the point. Shenasa. That what happens is the opposite, as we said earlier, of the true objective. The true objective, the kavan the true intention of the world's creation is bichdei in order to refine it, and to make it a vessel for godliness. Through the covering of the animal soul, hahepech mamish. What occurs is just the opposite. Shaha'ilam, that the world, loi dai, misbar misbarer not only. Is it not being refined? Not only. Is it not being purified? he oid. Furthermore, ma'ilimu master al arha it hides over and conceals. The light of truth. This is the spirit of foolishness which covers over truth and prevents me from being able to see reality as it is. You either see the essence or the essence. Yeah? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the question. Essence or essence. Uh, of course, not very little, but the thing we see—we don't see anything, or we think that we're seeing. We're the seeing the externality, which is fake. The externality we're is all a. we we think when we're seeing the externality that we're seeing something real, but we're not. The externality is not real. The externality is just a covering. Um, sometimes people describe uh, escafia as some sort of external response to your environment really it's what it is It's just to be clear it's all internal processes. absolutely absolutely there's nothing wrong i've said many times there's nothing wrong with french fries other than the fact that they're overly processed and that they're fried in too much oil and that they have too much salt on them but there's nothing wrong with french fries <laughs> what's wrong is when you eat the french fries and you get a geschmack just out of eating the french fries, which we all do. Don't get me wrong. That's the inherent danger of eating a Danish. And that's why people who are more spiritual, who are trying to serve Hashem, in the initial stages of their Aveda later, in the later stages of their Aveda, they have no problem eating a Danish. But in the initial stages of their Aveda, They tend to pull away from sweets. They tend to pull away from things like this because of the dangers which these types of things present. There are certain things which are appropriate only for a mature person and certain things which are good, okay, for a child. You don't give a child a sharp knife to play with, even though a sharp knife is a fantastic tool, but a child is too immature to use it properly, etc. etc. So the same is true. This is what Eskafia is all about. Eskafia is about maturing inside, spiritual maturity. And the more iskafia that I have, the more spiritual mature I am, spiritually mature I am, the more I'm able to interact with more of the world and not have it affect me negatively. It says about uh, the the, the sages in the Gemara that they would dance with the kala on their shoulders. Now, could you imagine something like that? We're talking about the greatest sage who's walking around dancing with the kala on their shoulders that looks so coarse, doesn't it? But it's only coarse for me because I lack that spiritual maturity. And indeed, it is very coarse for me. But for that sage, it was completely that they were connecting only to the holiness, to the spirituality, to the godliness, and anything else. Those dense, external, um, impure things that I attached to all of this are completely irrelevant to them. Kitzer in summary: Yevar de Rosh take the ruach stus, which is the strength of the taiva and the animal soul in general, mechasim al haemus. They cover over the truth. Ve'garimim heder heregisaleikos ve'iloi ha'mitzvus upchisos harichot mehem. They cause a lack of feeling of godliness. What? The taiva. What's The taiva is the yearning, the desire. The Amis Hader, Kusvi ili and and the lowness of being far from them. This is what the nefesh of Bahamas causes. So we have to feel not this is Gishmaqti Ida denish, but we have to appreciate the Gishmaq of eibishter that's inside of it. So to go back to the mashal of the horse and its master. Yes about it, it's perfectly natural for a horse to run wild. Correct. Now, it only causes but damage when a wild horse is in a pen. No, not necessarily. It could cause damage anywhere, and ultimately, a her- horse running wild is useless. A horse, which is properly reined in, and bringing its rider to the destination it needs to get to, is a horse that's accomplishing its mission. But must there be a use for the horse to exist? Is there necessarily a mission why something like a horse exists? Or is it just existing? Yes. Everything that exists, exists with a purpose. The rabbi gives an analogy, an asicha, a housewife. You walk into her house, if she's properly a proper balabasta, she's a proper balabasta, then everything that you see in her house is there with a purpose. It has an objective. It has a reason for being there. What's its reason for being there? It depends. One thing is it matches the back backsplash. One thing is it's uh, is there to keep the dirt away from the carpets and so on and so forth. Everything has a purpose. Something without a purpose does not belong. The Abishtar is at least as all seeing and all um, uh, directing as this balabasta. And everything that the Abishtar puts in his world needs to be there with an objective. And if it's not serving that objective, it shouldn't be there. So if there is a horse, the horse needs to have an objective. And what's the objective of the horse? So the true objective of a horse is to bring me to my destination, which I can't reach with my own two feet, because my feet are going to collapse before I get there. And the horse is able to get me there. But if everything has a purpose, then the wild horse running free has a purpose of its own time. When it's a wild horse running free, so it has a purpose just like any animal does. But conceptually, a horse is reaching a much clearer and higher and greater purpose When it's directly serving men in him reaching where he needs to go. But you're correct. You understand? Okay.